How are we doing, Rich Church? Hey, uh, my name is Bobby, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad uh, you're here today. We uh, started a series a couple of weeks ago called Ridge Prayer, and we're really just unpacking uh, prayer, the subject of prayer, what it means to pray, how we can pray, and how we can uh, really be better at prayer. And so we started the series uh, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, actually, uh, this week, and we started with a question that the disciples, a request that they had to Jesus. In Luke 11:1, 1, we see this where they had been hearing Jesus pray. They saw him pray, and they thought to themselves, you know what? We don't, we don't pray like Jesus does. Like there is the w- a way that he prays that is so much different from the way that, that we pray. And so they asked him this question. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. We see that in Luke 11:1, 1, where they just say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I am uh, glad to admit this, but sometimes I feel like that that is my request and reply to the Lord, too, is for him to teach me how to pray, because sometimes I think I'm just not doing it right, or I'm just not very good at this. And for, for different reasons, one of those reasons, a big reason, is uh, part of the subject today. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to Colossians chapter 3. We will uh, get there in a few moments. We're actually going to look at a lot of Scripture today, uh, but we're going to really dive into Colossians 3. And so if you just want to go ahead and get there, uh, that way when we get there, you can dive right in. If you need a Bible, we have free ones for you uh, right outside of these doors at the Ridge Central table. Uh, You're welcome to grab one of those and keep it if you need one. Uh, If you don't like paperback Bibles, we have nice leather-bound ones uh, in the lost and found. Just scratch people's name off of it and... um, (laughs) They obviously don't need it. So, uh, but if you're like, hey, wait a minute, I lost a Bible, then it's probably in the lost and found in the office back there. So uh, you can go back there and get that. Uh, so anyway, hey, uh, speaking of prayer, the great theologian Stanley Burrell in the 1900s, he said this. He said, you got to pray just to make it today. Stanley Burrell is MC Hammer. Okay, so... And he's not really a theologian. But anyway, like, I've been waiting for three weeks to say that. So I, had, I had, to, had to get that in. But much like my preaching, um, my prayer life can sometimes be kind of ADD. I, I, anybody, anybody feel me on that one? Uh, I, I can, I can kind of be ADD in my prayer. And my prayers sometimes, tell me if you relate to this, sometimes my prayers will be uh, much to the effect of, uh, something like this where I'll begin to pray and, and ask the Lord to, uh, to just, you know, let me feel his presence. And I'll say something to the effect of, uh, Father, we just want to honor you and praise you today. And, oh, my goodness, shiny. Like, you know, what is, what is this? You know, and so just kind of start to, to let my mind wander. And if it's not, you know, chasing after something like that, then it is... Uh, immediately going to my to-do list, right? Like I'll begin to pray and I'll pray about something. I'll be like, oh yeah, that reminds me I need to take out the trash, you know. And then I got to do this, and I got, and then I just like get up and I'll be like, oh wait, I was praying like 30 minutes ago. I need to go back and and finish that. And so my prayer life can sometimes be sort of ADD. And you and I both know this very well, but we don't need any other excuses to be distracted in this world, do we? Like we have plenty of distractions distracting us already like we just are constantly bombarded by things i mean uh take for example anytime your phone dings or it beeps or it goes off or it vibrates anything like that like it doesn't matter what we're doing we immediately stop and look at our phone don't we 
I mean, we're like Pavlov's dog, right? The, the bell rings. We're like, bam, you know, what is that? I mean, it, could, it could be, you know, it could be the, the president. Who knows? I mean, somebody could be stuck in a ditch, you know, and they're like calling you instead of 911, you know? Who knows? Like, it could be really important, and so we've got to check it out and see what it is that's going on on the phone. And so we have all of these distractions, constantly distracting us. My kids, uh, not too long ago, they love to play uh, if you're parents, you kind of know how this works, but they love to play the iPhone and the iPad in the car when we go places, right? And, and don't judge me because you let your kids do it too, okay? You're like, you're a bad parent. You let, no, you do it too, so stop, all right? But like, listen, sometimes, sometimes they, and sometimes we willingly are like, here, play the phone, right? You know, like, do something, keep yourself busy. We're going to go to church and worship Jesus, right? Like, so like, we like, give them the phone and we, because mommy and daddy need to have some conversation. We need to have some quiet time, so we want them to do something, but... Other times, they're just like, they get in the car and they ask for the phone, right? They, they want to play the phone. They want to play the iPad. And sometimes we'll give it to them. Sometimes, though, we don't. Sometimes we're like, you know what? Let's have a family conversation. Let's talk as a family. Let's enjoy the ride. And you're like, what kind of kids do you have? Like, like you just, like, let's, let's, it, let's enjoy our, our time together. And uh, so the other day, probably about a week or two ago, my son said, Dad, can I have, uh, can I have your phone? And I said, no, let's just... Let's just hang out in the car today. And he goes, this is what he said. He goes, what am I supposed to do then? <laughs> and I thought to myself, I was like, I was like, man, what did I do in the car as a kid? You know, and, I, and then I thought, i tell you what I did. I listened to Guns, Ro- Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, and New Kids on the Block, okay? Like, that's what I, and I looked out the window. That's what I did. <laughs> I was a kid of the 80s. I mean, so... So I was like, and so I just turned around. I was like, "You're gonna look out the window. That's what you're gonna do. You're just gonna, but like, but like, we don't. We're just distracted all the time, and, and we find ways to to distract ourselves on purpose a lot of times. But prayer can be hard because of a lot of these distractions, and not just the distractions that are coming at us from the outside, but just distractions that are in our own minds, distractions that are in our own hearts. And I think if we're honest, all of us at some point in our lives could say the same thing, that we have been distracted when we pray, that we have an ADD prayer life sometimes, and we could easily get distracted that way. But if you have trouble staying focused when you pray, I've got good news for you today, because you're not alone. Not only have all of us in this room, if we're all being honest, can honestly admit that we've been distracted when we pray, we also see in the Bible where the disciples were distracted when they prayed. There were times when they would get distracted, and they were with Jesus, physically with Jesus, and they got distracted when they prayed. As a matter of fact, we see in Matthew 26, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but just so you know that I'm not lying, you can go look it up. But the disciples and Jesus, they, uh, Jesus was about to go to the cross. He was about to be betrayed by Judas. They had had communion together in the upper room, the Last Supper, uh, as we call it a lot of times, where Jesus broke the bread as his body and gave it to them and poured out the wine as, to symbolize his blood and gave it to them. And then they went on to the Garden of Gethsemane where they, Jesus would pray. And when they went to the garden, they went with his disciples, and as they got uh, out there to the garden, Jesus told his disciples to stay and watch with him. And then he went a little further, took his three best friends, his three closest disciples, went a little bit further, and he told them this. He said, you stay here, keep watch with me while I go and pray. And what he was saying to them, he was saying, pray with me, pray for me. And it says in Matthew 26 that it says that Jesus' soul was so troubled even unto death. And so he knew what was about to take place. 
He knew that the cross was coming in the morning. He knew that he was about to be betrayed, that he was about to give up his life to pay the debt of our sins. And so his soul was so troubled, said that he felt like he could die at that moment. And so he asked his best friend, stay up and watch and pray with me. So Jesus goes to pray. He kneels down and he begins to pray. And then he comes back a few moments later and he finds his disciples asleep, distracted. And he kind of gets on to them, right? He's like, you couldn't even stay awake with me, you know, long enough to pray with me. And he goes back to, to pray again. And he comes back a second time and he finds them asleep a second time. And then he goes to pray a third time. And then he comes back a third time. And three times he finds them asleep, distracted, distracted. I think we can learn best how to navigate through these distractions because we all have them by looking at what the Scripture has to say. But I want to start with some of the things that Jesus did to avoid distractions because you have to understand this about Jesus. I think we forget this sometimes, is that Jesus was 100% God. We get that. We know that he was God in the flesh, but we forget many times that Jesus was also 100% man. He was flesh. He was human. And so some of the distractions and temptations that you and I have as humans were some of the same things that Jesus would deal with himself. Now, he didn't have the same types of distractions that you and I have. He didn't have an iPhone, you know, going off every five seconds, you know, back in the day. But it might have actually been a little bit worse because everywhere Jesus went, you see, Jesus was a rock star. Like, he was so popular. Everywhere he went, hundreds if not thousands of people would follow him everywhere. And they didn't just follow him to see what they what he was going to do they followed him they had requests of him they wanted them uh, they wanted him to heal them they wanted to ask him questions the religious and pharisee leaders uh pharisees many times would want to try to trap jesus get him to say something that could end up having him arrested so they could throw him into prison and so Jesus constantly had people with him, constantly had people around him. And so just like us, he would pray to the Father just like you and I pray. And so because of the many distractions that Jesus had, just like the distractions that you and I have, Jesus had to have a plan. He had to do something about it to be able to avoid these distractions. And so let's look at a couple of these in Scripture. You don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, I want to show you three things, three ways that we can navigate and try to get past the distractions in prayer. And so the first one is this, is that we have to limit our distractions by being in the right place. We have to find the right environment. You have to find the right environment to navigate and get past distractions. Let's look at how Jesus did this. Matthew 6, 6 says that Jesus shut the door. He says, but when you go and pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, get off by yourself. Get to a place, shut the door, get away from all of the distractions uh, in a room, very private with no windows. Now, you might not have a room that has no windows, maybe a bathroom, I don't know. But, like, you just find a place that says, get away from everyone. And we see this many times. Jesus does this often. Luke five sixteen. it says this. It says that often he withdrew. He would, would, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And so Jesus, again, getting off by himself. Mark one thirty five says this. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to desolate places where there he prayed. And so again, we see Jesus getting off by himself. Now, I don't know what this looks like for you, but for me, it looks like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. 
right? I mean, that's what it looks like for me, and I'm just being honest with you. I don't always make it 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, but this is what I know. I have small children in my house, and if I get up and they hear me up, guess who else is up? Yeah, and so uh, we have this uh, sunroom on the back of our house, and I love it in the spring and summer and early fall because I can get out there in, in the back of the sunroom, and it just kind of overlooks the river, and I can get out there, and I can sit there, and I can pray, and I can watch the sun come up, and it's a great place, but I, I, I've got to I've got to have a plan. Like, I, I've got to be intentional about getting out there, shutting the door, getting away. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what the right environment is for you. Maybe you have a room like that in your house where you can go. Maybe you have a place outside where you can go. Maybe you have a place where you can go and get away and uh, quote unquote shut the door and get away, withdraw to a desolate place so that you don't have any distractions, that you turn off your phone, that you silence Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else that's going to ding you know, while you're praying for the next few moments. If anything else, Go to your bathroom, shut the door, turn the fan on. Ain't nobody coming in there with the fan on, okay? So, like, for a long time, as long as that fan is running, guess what? Nobody's coming in. So, like, do what you got to do, all right? Do what you got to do. Welcome to the Ridge. All right. um, Find the right environment. Get in the right place. Number two, number two, you need a plan. You need a plan. If you get distracted easily, it would help if you had a plan. And so in week one of the series, we kind of talked about some of these plans. As a matter of fact, Jesus in Matthew 6, let's go ahead and open up there or follow along on the screen uh, back here behind me. Jesus gives us a plan. He says, hey, when you pray, you can pray like this. And, and these aren't magic words. He's not saying pray exactly like this. He's saying here is a model for this. Here is a way that you can pray. And so if you miss this message, you can go to richchurch.cc and listen to it. And you can hear us talk about uh, this model of prayer. But Jesus says this. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so that is the Lord's Prayer. You're like, yeah, I heard that before. I've got it on a coffee cup. I've seen it on, like, you know what that is. You're very familiar with that. But those words, they're, they're, it's a pathway for us to pray. It's a model. It's a model. We talked about a couple of other models, uh, sort of a plan for you to follow as you pray. We said you can use uh, the ACTS, uh, A-C-T-S, ACTS acronym. And so you can use that. It stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And so you can use that sort of as a model. You can use the, the PRAY acronym. PRAY stands for Praise, Repent. Um, ask and yield. Sorry. Pray, pray, repent, ask and yield. And so you can use you can use that. And so uh, if you want to know, we actually uh, laid out a few of those uh, a week or two ago on our blog. And so you can go there and you can see some of those as well. But here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I want to get really, really super practical with you. Okay, super practical. This is going to be one of the most practical messages that you uh, that you hear. And so this is going to be really helpful for some of you, I think. But some practical things that you can do to increase your focus and limit distractions. Uh, the first thing that you can do is this, is that you can practice a new posture. You can practice a new posture. You see, posture was really, really important to the ancient Hebrews. Posture, it meant something to them. In fact, the Hebrews believed, the Hebrews believed and understood that the heart would follow 
our posture. And so we see different postures in the scriptures. Uh, many times people standing, sitting. And so uh, Mark 11, we see Jesus standing as he's praying. He says that he stood while he prayed. And then in Second Samuel 18, we see King David. We see, uh, see it where he says that he sat before the Lord. And so his posture was sitting. So we see standing, we see sitting. Uh, we see Jesus, as we just saw in Matthew 26, we see that where he was kneeling to pray. Other times uh, we see uh, where David said that he fell on his face to pray. Second, San, or Second Timothy, I believe it is, Second, no, First Timothy 2.8, 1 Timothy 2.8, the Apostle Paul says that, that as they prayed, they lifted holy hands, lifted holy hands to pray. And so the posture was, was hands open. The Hebrews believed that, that hands raised and hands open meant that they were uh, giving up submission. They were yielding themselves over to the Lord. They were saying, everything that I have is yours, and everything that you have that you want to give, we will receive. And so they would pray with open hands and lifted hands. And it was a posture because they believed that, that our posture and our heart were connected. When the heart seems distracted, the best thing that we can do is to take a posture that can help move our heart. But what's most important in the posture, it's not so much the posture. Like, the posture, it's there, we see it. It's not a command to have these postures, but the thing with the posture is, is that it's uh, showing our humbleness and our repentedness before the Lord. For me, uh, a posture that I take is sitting uh, sometimes as I pray, I like, to, I like to stand a lot of times, but when I stand, I like to pace. Like, obviously, I can't stand still, right? And so I pace, I move around, I walk, and I'll pray that way. But one of my favorite ways uh, to do this is I actually like to just get in my car, turn some music on, and drive around the city and pray. Eyes open. That's, that's a good thing. I highly encourage that. Don't close your eyes. It's not good. But uh, eyes open, music on, and just driving around praying over the city and praying as the Holy Spirit leads me. It's really a lot of fun to just get in a place where you just sit in your car and you just say, Spirit, lead me, guide me, show me, show me who you want me to pray for. Let me feel the way that you feel. Let me see the way that you see. And you just get and you go. It's really a great adventure. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's some of my best times of prayer when I just get in the car and do that. And it's just a, a posture of prayer that I try to take for myself. And so, Finding a new posture might be a way that you can help yourself stay focused when you pray. Another way is that you can pray out loud or that you can write your prayers. You can pray out loud or, or, or write your prayers. Uh, I, I will do this sometimes as well. Praying out loud can be kind of weird when uh, you're you know, not letting anybody knowing that, know that you're praying and you just begin to pray out loud. As you're, you know, that's kind of weird. But if you get off by yourself, as Jesus said, as you shut the doors, you get to a, a desolate place, a lonely place, and you pray out loud, it's like you're having a conversation out loud. It's like you're talking to someone in the room, and you are. But you're having that, and that might help you stay focused if you're actually verbalizing your prayer. Another way is to, to just write your prayers, to take a journal, take a piece of paper. Uh, even if you just want to type it out on your phone or on your computer, I don't encourage the phone because you'll get distracted, but I'd just take a piece of paper and a pen and just write, just write. I have a, a good friend who uh, made me a, a hand-stitched journal, and so I, I've got this journal, and I just open it up, and I just begin to, just begin to write sometimes. I take my Bible, and I take the, 
pen and I take the paper and I just pray and write. And so it's just me pouring out my heart before the Lord. And so you can pray out loud. You can, you can write your prayers. Uh, another way, this is uh, one of my favorite ways as well, is that you can use short bursts of praying throughout the day. And so instead of taking a long time to, to pray, that you're just praying throughout the day by praying short bursts of prayer throughout your day. Paul said, the Apostle Paul, he tells us to, to pray without ceasing. And we hear that a lot of times, and I think that we hear that and we go, I can't do that. Like, I can't just pray all day long. Like, who has the time to do that? Like, Probably none of us, right? And that's not what Paul meant. Paul didn't necessarily mean like, you know, you just have to shut yourself off and pray all day, every day, you know, all by yourself. What he's saying, he's saying you just need to have a heart and a posture of prayer throughout your day. Use these short bursts of prayer. Every time that you're prompted by the Spirit to pray, to pray. J.R. Vassar, he is a um, pastor in New York City, and he, he said this. He said, he said, prayer many times is like spiritual breathing like spiritual breathing. And so if, we, if Paul said this, if Paul had said, breathe without ceasing, we would go, I get that. Like, I can do that. Like, I'm, I'm good with that, right? Like, we, we know what that means. We get that. But when he says, pray without ceasing, it's like spiritual breathing. And so prayer, just being in a place of prayer, constant communication throughout the day with short bursts of prayer can help you stay focused, help you stay focused. Now, a way that I have really been diving into um, for the last year or two has been, uh, been praying the scriptures. This is the, the next way, is that you can pray the scriptures. Maybe you open up to the book of Psalms and you just pray through uh, a, a psalm like Psalm 23, like Duchess read earlier. You can pray. That's a great place. Duchess mentioned that to you. It's a great place to pray. You can pray Psalm 123. There's so many psalms that you just, you just pray the words of the psalms. But I'm actually going to show you how I do this. And so you remember labs in high school? You would have those labs, you know, where the teacher would kind of teach something and then you would actually practice it yourself. Well, we're going to have a little bit of a lab time today. I'm just going to show you how I pray the scriptures. And I hope that this helps you and gives you a way that you can practically apply this to your own life. And so let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm just going to unpack the way that I do this. And again, Colossians 3 is not the only place. Colossians 1 is a great place. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2 is a great place. Uh, the Psalms is a great place. There are so many places in Scripture where you can just pray the Scriptures. But I'm going to show you in Colossians 3 uh, one of the ways that, that I do this. Now, with Scripture, you'll hear me say this a lot, but with Scripture, it's good to read Scripture slowly and in small chunks. Listen, you don't get medals and high fives for reading four chapters of the Bible and remembering none of it, right? I mean, that's not the point. The point is so that it seeps into your heart, springs forth fruit out of the roots that the Scripture drills down into your heart. That's the glory and the goodness of the Scripture. And so it's good to be able to understand and, and just let it soak in. And so this is one of the ways that you can actually do that. So Colossians 3, let me just show you the way that I pray the Scriptures. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And so immediately as I begin to read that, I begin to see that and let it speak to me. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ. I see that and I go, that's me. I've been raised with Christ. And so I'm going to take time to thank 
and praise God for saving me. Because I've been raised with Christ. He has paid the debt of my sin. And so because I have been raised with Christ, I have been called to seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then it goes on. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And so this is a moment for me where I'm just going to begin to to ask the Lord. I'm going to let the the scripture get to my heart and I'm going to ask myself, am I seeking things above or am I worried and constantly thinking about the earthly things? And so like King David, I'm asking the Lord to search my heart. That's a dangerous prayer to pray is when you begin to ask the Lord to search your heart because that's one of those moments where God will not be silent to you. That's not one of those moments where God goes, you know what, I searched it, didn't find anything, you're good, move on. Pat, pat, right? Like, I mean, good game. You know, he's just like, that's not one of those moments. He's going to speak to you here. Because there's, there's always something here. There's always something there. And I know that every time I ask the Lord to search my heart, he's going to draw these things out of me. He's going to lay these things before me. And so then in verse 3, verse 3 goes on. It says, it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It says, for you have died. It's talking about me. I have died. The old Bobby is dead. I have been raised to new life in Christ because I have given my life to him. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now that's good news for me because what that does is that reminds me and tells me that when Jesus sees or when God sees me, he does not see Bobby in the flesh. He sees Jesus. Because my life has been hidden in him. And so in that moment, I'm just praying that, Lord, as I go throughout this day, let people see Jesus and not see me. Let people see you and not see me. Let my life today be hidden in you so that I am not seen, but you are seen. And he goes on, verse 5. Or four, it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then we get really practical. Verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And so this is a moment where I'm going to begin to confess and repent as the Lord draws these things out of me. He says, put to death these things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked. Now, I have to stop right there because you read some of those things. You go, yeah, but I'm not sexually immoral. Like, I'm not adulterous. Like, I'm not an idolater. You see, but what God is talking about here, he's not necessarily talking about external action. He's talking about what's in the heart. And listen, I could go back and do this, but we don't have time. It's in the heart. It's in there. He's told us it's in there. Those things are in there. And so... Here at this moment, it's where I'm saying, God, put to death these things that are in me. Put to death sexual immorality. Put to death impurity. Put to death my idolatry. Put to death these things in me. Father, forgive me of these things where, I, where these things have played out of my heart. Forgive me. And so we're just asking the Lord here again to draw these things out of us. And he goes on, he says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So if those first things weren't enough, he says, here are a few more things that need to die. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So again, he said, hey, remember, don't try to play like you ain't got some of these things going on. Don't lie about it, because I know. Put them to death. 
and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And so it's in that moment that we're just asking the Lord to draw these things up, to put them before us so that we can repent and confess. We can put them to death. That's how you put them to death. You repent and confess, or confess and repent. Verse 12. So we've put off. Now we're going to put on. This is where we're asking the Lord to, to fill us with these things. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. And so we're just asking God, fill me with a compassionate heart today. Give me kindness. Make me humble. Let me be meek. Let me be patient. Let me bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, smack them in the... No, uh, forgive each other. That's not what he said. He says, forgive each other, right? He says, I have to forgive them because I've been forgiven. So you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so I'm just asking for the Holy Spirit to fill me with these things. And where I've been absent from these things, to let me confess and repent. And above all these, put on love, verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So again, you can just see, and then verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so I'm just asking God, let your word dwell in me today. Teach me, show me, uh, let me admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in my heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so you can just see how that just plays out for you, how it just lays out, and you can just pray this as you read it. It's a good place to go. And so finally, last but not least, you just pray until you pray. You just pray until you pray. This was a saying of, of the Puritans, they, they, they said this, they said, you have to pray until you pray, meaning that uh, it's not just about persistence in prayer, not, not that we're just going to be persistently praying, although the scriptures lay that out before us, but it's about praying until you get past the formalism of not praying. My, um, my dad taught me how to swim as a kid, and uh, I learned how to swim as a kid uh, a little bit differently than the way maybe some of you learn how to swim. Um, I didn't get swim lessons. You know, we pay a lot of money. We put a lot of time and energy into swim lessons for our kids now. And, you know, we try to teach them how to swim. But my dad didn't teach me how to swim. We kind of grew up on the lake, uh, you know, skiing and fishing and doing all that stuff. And so we were constantly at the lake. And I remember being maybe seven years old, six or seven years old. And I didn't know how to swim yet. And so my dad was just like, you know what? You need to learn how to swim. Swim. I do not recommend this method. It's not very safe. But you know what I did? I swam. I swam. The water wasn't very deep. It was only a few feet deep. So don't call DCS on my dad. Okay. Right. He was just like, you know what? Swim. And you know what? I swam until I swam. The same thing is true for prayer. Sometimes you just have to pray until you pray. So if you have trouble praying, you, you get uh, distracted easily with prayer, pray until you pray. Get into the right environment 
Get yourself a model. Yeah, make a plan to pray and then practice. Pray until you pray. So today as we close this week, I don't, I don't know how much of this series you've been following along with and how much you've been able to, to put into practice yet, but I have some homework for you this week. And your homework is pray. And pray until you pray. And so maybe take some of these things and find what works for you and, and, and work it and, and, and use it. Put it to use. You know, prayer is no use to you if you don't use it. And so put it to use. Put it to work. Because God made a way for us through His Son, Jesus, who gives us access to the Father by being our connection through His death and resurrection. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's because of this good news that gives us the ability to speak to the Father personally. You don't have to go through someone to talk to God for you. You can talk to God yourself. so frustrated with prayer that you've just given up because you've been so distracted or uh, maybe it's not because of necessarily uh, outside distractions that, that get you away from prayer. Maybe it's the internal distractions that have gotten you away from prayer. It's unrepented sin in your life. So you need to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. And so today as we close, as we sing a song, then maybe you should just take the time. You're already here. You might as well do some work while you're here. You're already here. So why don't you just take the time to of that, turn from your sin and turn to the cross. Maybe the prayer that you need to pray today is the first real prayer, and that prayer is to ask Jesus to be your Savior. So for you today, praying, Father, save me, rescue me, forgive me of my sin, maybe that's the prayer you need to pray today. So we're going to sing a song in a few minutes. And as we do that, we just encourage you to, to take the time to, to pray. To ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with the, the courage, with the boldness. To confess and to repent. To give you a passion for prayer. So let's pray together. Right Father God. God, we are so thankful, God, that you have drawn us here. God, none of us are here by accident, Lord. We are so thankful that your spirit drew us here together today, God, to, to hear your word, God, to sing songs of praise and adoration towards you, your mighty works in our lives, God, for how not only how good you have been to us, God, how good you're going to be for us, God, that you are for us, God, that even when our hearts can be distant from you, God, you are still with us. So, Father, forgive me. God, forgive me where I, I have not pursued you. God, where I have not turned my heart over to you. Where I have not yielded and submitted to you. Search our hearts, Lord. Draw out and lay before 
each of us, God, where we need to confess and to repent. And Father, if it's 